0: Good morning, how are you? Good, welcome to the discipleship class and uh, this has been just an awesome class so far and uh, we are really looking forward to it and so glad that you're joining us not only here but also joining us on archives or watching us online right now live. So amen, we're glad you're with us and uh, this morning we want to jump right into it. We're talking about relationship with God and Jeff Licello is going to come and tell us all about it. So come on. Thank you, sir. Yes, sir.
1: Good. Excellent. All right. Good morning. Good morning. Um, not going to introduce with any jokes or anything like that. We have a long lesson. This is an awesome lesson. And uh, Tara and I actually study this together. And this is a step up, I think, from the previous lessons, because when we got to the question section... I couldn't answer the questions, and and, and I was preparing for it, so I thought, wow, this is is a really good, really good topic. So anyway, this is uh, lesson number four, and it's called Relationship with God. So I'm just going to start off reading. I want to breeze through this relatively quickly, because we have a lot of questions to cover at the end. So listen very carefully, and then we'll go over the scriptures together. One of the most important things about relationship is to understand the person with whom you're going to have relationship. And that also applies to God. You need to understand the basic nature and character of God. And you need to understand the basic nature and character of God in order to have a healthy relationship with him. Misunderstanding his character and nature is one of the reasons many people don't have a positive relationship with him. This is exactly what happened in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve were tempted by the serpent. They entered into temptation, ultimately disobeyed God, and plunged the whole human race into sin. Their lack of understanding of God's nature was actually part of that temptation. The story in Genesis 3, uh, verses 1 through 5, is familiar to most people, and it says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree in the garden, but of the fruit of the tree Now he said, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree in the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, Then your eyes shall be opened and you shall be as gods, or in brackets, God, knowing good and evil. So I had a hard time with the language, the the, the fancy language. I had to go to the NASB and it was like, I'm not stupid, but for some reason I was like, it's a double negative. Hath ye not said ye? And I'm like, okay, I got to go read that in English. So that's why I couldn't answer a lot of the questions. Anyway, there is a subtle statement by Satan here that God is really not a good God. That he was trying to withhold something from Adam and Eve. That he didn't want them to reach their full potential. That he didn't want them to be like himself. And that the reason he made the rule about not eating of the tree of knowledge of good and evil was to hinder or to hurt them. In a sense, Satan came against the very nature and character of God when he maligned him by saying that God didn't want, did not want the best for them. The same thing is exactly what's happening to people today. Satan tells them, if you follow God and you don't experiment with all the things that are contrary to his word, you'll never experience true happiness. Life will be boring or dead. The sad fact is that people... Ex- that The sad fact is that people experience after the fact that the drugs, the alcohol, the sex, the rebellion, the indulgence of self, the success in jobs, and all the other things that they tried didn't satisfy them, and by the time they realize it, they've already destroyed their lives, their families, and their health. The truth is that God is a good God, and his will for us is only good But Satan uses the same temptations on us today that came against Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, basically implying that God is not a good God. Those who have only a little understanding of the Bible could get the impression because there are instances in the word where he treated people in harsh and cruel ways. In Numbers chapter 15, verse 32 and 36, it says, A man picked up sticks on the Sabbath day and was stoned to death for failing to observe the Sabbath. And that sounds harsh, but there was a purpose behind such punishments. Though it's not obvious to most people in a casual reading of the scripture, careful study reveals that Old Testament law was given to make the sin that we've committed become exceedingly sinful. Says, as Paul says in Romans seven thirteen. The purpose was that people didn't realize how deadly their transgressions really were. And they were an offense against God. They made that mistake of comparing amongst themselves and measuring their actions by what other people were doing. If someone committed a sin and wasn't struck dead, they thought sin must not be so bad, and they lowered their standards. They had lost the true perspective on what right and wrong was. God had to bring mankind back to a plumb line, a proper standard of what right living was. So they would reject the devil and his temptations and recognize what the end result of wrong choices would be. Then when he did that, he had to enforce the law that he gave. God did not give the Old Testament commandments for the purpose of saying, until you do all these things, I cannot accept you or love you. That is not his nature or character. Rather, he gave them to make our sense of right and wrong more acute, and to bring us back to the fact that we need a savior. The problem has been that people thought God was demanding perfection before that he could save them or before he could love them. Which led to the attitude that many have that his love for them is directly proportional to their performance. And we know that to be false. They feel that until they try to do everything exactly right they will not be accepted by God and that that is not the message from the Bible. God's heart is to reconcile mankind to himself, not to judge them, not to impute their sins, not to hold their sins against them. That's the heart of God for his people in the Bible, and it is also his heart for you today. You need to understand his real heart, and that is, God is love. He seeks to take away your sins and anything that would separate you from him. He's already done it through Jesus. And he's offering you relationship with him today. Not based on your performance, but on your faith and acceptance of Jesus bearing your sins. You can have relationship with God today, regardless of the failures in your life. All he asks is that you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's great. I like this lesson. This, it was just really cool. So, we will move on to discipleship questions. Now, these questions are not easy. <laughs> so, um, I, I will pick volunteers to read scriptures, and then we will try to answer questions. And I do have the cheat sheet. I'm glad Nicole pointed that out, because <laughs> I had to cheat. <laughs> so, um, who wants to start off? Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. And I will start picking from the left to the right. Seth, will you take Genesis 3? Do you have a Bible? You're going to need one. (laughs) You can read it right from here. Well, just sit down. I'll call you up in a second. Let's go through the list here. Genesis 3, 1. Um, I'm going to need someone to read two scriptures. Genesis 2, verse 17. And Genesis 3, verse 3. I want those two from the same person. Anybody? George, will you take that? That's Genesis 2, verse 17. And Genesis 3, verse and I'll remind you that as you come up, don't worry about it. Um, Genesis 3, verse 6. Okay, Chris, good, thank you. Genesis 3, verse 9 through 10. Yes, Priscilla? Genesis 3, 9 through 10. We'll, We'll just start there and then I have another little page on the back to finish up. Okay, Seth, come on up. So, Genesis chapter 3 verse 1 and you can read right from the page here if you want.
0: All right. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast in the field which the Lord God had made and he said to the woman, ye hath God said ye shall not eat every tree of the garden. Yeah. I, I, I did my best.
1: <laughs> yeah, I did my best too, and it wasn't I, good. Enough. I'll read it from the NSA. I need a savior. Go ahead. Read the English version.
0: Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden? Okay. A little different. Now. So the question
1: is What question did Satan ask Eve? There was a question in there somewhere. I see it, but but I don't understand it. I'm trying to. It's it's like a double negative. Had did he not ask you not to eat from the tree? He was asking her, "Aren't you He was asking her, "Can't you eat from any tree in the garden?" Essentially. Okay. That's it, man. Your part is over. Who was Genesis 2:17? George, come on up. It's the language. Two seventeen. You can read from here or there, whichever. If you have an English translation, that'd be nice. That. You're the boss. Go me. for it. Right. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but of the tree. Here we go. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and blessing and calamity, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Three three says, "Except the fruit from the tree which is in the middle of the garden. God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Okay, so the question is, what word or words did Eve add to what God, God had actually said to Adam? It's very, very small. And so you, you would have to go back and read. God said you may eat of any tree in the garden, but the tree that's in the midst of the garden, which is the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat, lest you surely die. So what did she say that was a little bit different than that? Right. Touch it. Touch it. We we can't touch it. We can't eat it or touch it or we'll die. Okay. Right. So she twists his words ever so slightly. Who's, who's Genesis 3, 6? Chris, okay. It's on for you, sir.
0: <laughs> and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eye, and the tree was to be desired and make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat.
1: Okay, so the question is... Once Satan was able to instill doubt into Eve's mind regarding what God had said to her, what did she do, ultimately? She ate the fruit. fruit. So he got her to buy into the lie, and she fell. Good. Uh, Who was Genesis 3, verse 9 and 10? Okay. If I get my question wrong, do I still get credit because I got George's right? (laughs) (laughs) I'll answer Don't twist twist my words. (laughs) I'm not trying to. (laughs) All right, nine in, um, and i nine and ten. Okay, no yes. JV for
0: me. Go for it. Um, but the Lord God called to the man and said to him, "Where are you?" And he said, "I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself."
1: So the question is, after Adam and Eve sinned, did God still communicate and pursue a relationship with them? Yes. Yes, He most certainly did. He sought them out. I get two questions? I read two uh, ones, we'll so. see. I'll arrange, I'll arrange for your reward later. Okay. More questions. There are many more questions. Let's try. Uh, someone has to read for me Genesis 3, verses 22 through 24. I need somebody from this side. Come on, Brandon. <coughs> Page. Will you take it? Uh, Genesis chapter 3, verse 22 through 24. I need someone to read Romans 5, 17. Barrett? Romans six twenty three, Deb? And Romans 10, 3. <laughs> Pastor Brian. <laughs> okay, let's continue. Genesis 3, verse 22 through 24.
0: Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever therefore the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken he drove out the man and at the east of the garden of Eden he placed his cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to
1: guard the way to the tree of life unfortunately you got the hard question. This is a question I could not answer. And so w- the hard part is you have to go back and read the original story before you can answer these questions. So it causes you to study a little bit. So you may not get this, but let's see what you got here. Why did God drive Adam and Eve from the garden? It is a great question. Priscilla, give it a shot. Why did he drive them from the garden? the tree of life? Correct. So what this assumes is that you realize that there is a separate tree. Most people think there's just the one, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But there's another tree, the tree of life. He said in the story, God never mentioned the tree of life. He only mentioned the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Told them don't eat from that one. So, but there's a reason. Not that they wouldn't eat from it necessarily, but there was a consequence to eating from the tree of life. Adam and Eve had entered a sinful state. They had allowed sin to now come into the world and be a part of the human race. And now, if they went and ate from the tree of life, they would become eternal and they would live in a perpetual state of sin. Yeah. So he, God did not want that to happen. So He drove them out. It's not on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, and they needed. For that sinful state to die and yes. resurrect yes. in newness of life. Yes. Yes. So that was what had to happen, and Jesus set the precedent for it. right. So. Amen.
1: Yeah, it was a tough question, so I had to research that one a little bit. but yeah. Um, OK, so well, let me this is a continuation of the same scripture. So God has driven them now from the garden because he did not want them to eat from the the tree of life and become eternally a sinful state. So the chapter six, or this question six says, this is funny. Can you see that this was an act of mercy by God rather than a punishment? And so if you go over to the cheat sheet, it says yes. (laughs) I just thought that was great. Yes. (laughs) In case you answered no. Uh, That's funny. Okay. Romans five seventeen. That's classic. Yes, they worked right in. What translation do you want? It doesn't really matter. Okay. Um, I can do that. Yeah, do the if you can do it NASB or yeah. something, yeah, something understandable. For if by the transgression of the one death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Okay, so your question is. I can't answer. Technicalities. Your question is: How do we attain God's abundance of grace and gift of righteousness? A. Buy it. B. Earn it. C. Receive it. Receive it. Amen. Simple. Thank you. Yes, you did. She got the easy. Multiple guess. Pick and pray as they used to call it in school. Uh, read Romans six twenty three So I was afforded the opportunity of looking at all the versions and picking the one I like the best. <laughs> yeah, good How about for that? You. I actually like the new American standard for this one, Romans six twenty three. It says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay. So by that scripture, what do we really deserve if we sin? Death. Amen. Thank you much. Okay, one more question for you. I'm sorry. The, see, they do this; they lump these questions in together. By grace, by grace, what does God give us instead? Eternal life. Amen. Free. Free eternal life. Yes. yes, yes. Bonus question. <laughs> Wow. What's eternal life? Life in heaven with God and Jesus. 17, three. <laughs> Almost there. Mic? Nope. 17.3. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. that they may know you. Fellowship with him. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. He's a plant in the audience. I hope you guys realize that. He's a ringer. (laughs) It's it's like like one of those magic tricks, you know, where they have the plant. (laughs) Okay, Romans 10... Verse 3, who had that? Uh, anybody? Nobody? Pastor Brian can do that.
0: Romans 10:3 th- For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God.
1: Okay. So the question is. If we try to establish our own righteousness before God, what do we fail to do? Submit to Jesus. Amen. Ed. you saw these notes last week, though, right. didn't <laughs> you? <laughs> I feel like he's got a book or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'll just do the last two for the sake of time. Okay. This is 1 John chapter 1 verse 9 and Romans Chapter 4, verse 3. So First uh, John, chapter 1, verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So the question says, What does God promise to do with all our sins and iniquities against him if we would only believe? What does God promise to do? with all our sins and iniquities, if we only believe, Priscilla. Forgive believe yeah, that's it. And I'll show you what the cheat sheet says here. The cheat sheet says to remove them, to forget them, and to forgive them. Okay. I like that. I like the way that rings. Okay, so um, what does the... Okay, I'll read Romans here. Romans chapter 4, verse 3 says, For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. What does this tell you about the character of God? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. What does this tell us about the character of God? Cheat sheet? Answer? Possibly? He's merciful, and he is loving. If we believe on him, He's going to take away your sins. He's going to forget them. He's going to forgive them. He's merciful. I like that part in the in the early introduction where I read, and it says here, um, it says, where is it? So great the way it said it. God's heart is to reconcile mankind to Himself, not to judge. How many times has Pastor even talked about that? Where we walk, we walk through life like God is this austere character with a lightning bolt waiting to strike us down, and I've got to clean up my life before I show my face in church again. And, you know, it, that, that is totally not. It could not be further from the truth. That's when you need it the most. It's not about your performance on earth because you're going to fail. Guaranteed. Just like Adam, just like Eve, guaranteed you're going to fail. That's why Jesus is so awesome. All you have to do is just say, I realize what you did. I believe you are my Savior. Boom, and you're saved. Yeah. It's awesome. It really is. Okay. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you that you've given us this opportunity to share such a great lesson, and such great knowledge about your character. And we just ask you, Lord, to bless us as we get into this message and our walk in the next week, next weeks to come, that we would just come to develop that relationship with you. We come to know your character and your heart. And we just start to live by that and walk that out. We just give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You're welcome. That was a good lesson, wasn't it? (laughs) You just need the cheat sheet.